Hey, Wake Up Call listeners, thanks for tuning in again. Uh, today is Bring Your Child to Work Day, and my son Ben is here today to talk about something coming up on Student Ministries. Gee, thanks, Pops. <laughs> this place is so wonderful. <laughs> you know I work here, right? Yes. Yeah, paid, paid to work here. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, I'm Ben Foote. I'm the Student Ministry Director here at Flatirons. Um, and so I work with middle school students and high school students. And what my ministry needs right now, what we really, really need is we need men like you. Um, so I need volunteers who you don't need to have a Bible degree. I mean, you don't need to be able to answer every single question about the history of religion or anything like that. All I'm looking for is good men who are trying their best to follow Jesus. And I want you to partner with me in leading these young boys toward what it looks like to just be a good man who follows Jesus. Okay. How do they do that? Okay, so if you, <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> um, yeah, if you want to get involved, we actually have a training coming up in January. So it's on a Sunday, January 15th at 11 o'clock in the West End over at the Lafayette campus. So if you're interested in that, you can jump on the website, uh, click on the tab, get involved, and then volunteer, and you'll see student ministry right there. Um, and then you can go ahead and sign up and come check us out at our training. that it? That's it. Good. Thanks. Thanks for bringing me to work, Dad. You're welcome, son. It's cool here. <laughs> Church. Think about that word for a moment. For a lot of us, this time of year means church, meaning this. Christmas was always one of the few times a year that you went to church. Christmas and Easter. People like me, those of us who grew up going to church on Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday evening, we call you guys Christers. But there's a lot of reasons you didn't go to church, right? I mean, what's the first thing that comes to your mind when you hear the word church? Is it stone walls, stained glass, being bored to death in a pew? For a lot of us, those of us who grew up in church, when you say that word church, it conjures up angry faces and judgment, mean people doing mean things, and and then validating it all by slapping Jesus' name on it. The Greek word for church is ekklesia. It means assembly or, or called out ones, which basically means people. Jesus makes it clear, church or the church is people. Not a building, people. People who love Jesus and follow Him. People who serve and care for others. People who reach out to the lost and the broken. Those urinal cakes aren't there for flavor, that's for sure. Speaking of broken, that's Paul Bruner. Paul's the executive pastor here at Flatlands. When people ask me what Paul does, I always tell them that Paul is the gas that fuels the engine of Flatirons. Gas being the operative word. Anyone who knows Bruner knows this. He is the greatest servant on staff, if not in all of the Flatirons community. He's a true leader, always going first, whether he's cleaning toilets or helping with traffic on the weekends. Personally, I think he is one of the best examples of what it looks like to serve Jesus in church. This is Dan Foote, men's community pastor here at Flatirons, and today we'll be talking with Flatirons executive pastor Paul Bruner about serving Jesus in our churches, and I'm sure we'll go down one or two inappropriate rabbit trails. There was no toilet paper in there. (laughs) Somebody just (laughs) dropped that load. 
looked at more like five or ten. What does it look like to serve Jesus at church? Today on Wake Up Call, the Flatirons podcast for men. Seriously, tell me the story about how Jim Bergen got you to come on staff. So uh, at the time that uh, he began to pursue me to come on staff, I was an elder. Uh, he had asked me to come in as an elder. Uh, and what year is this? This was uh, the year he started. So as he came into this world of flat irons, I think he realized there was a division between the elders and the staff. I had stepped off as an elder through the whole transition standpoint. Uh, as we uh, introduced Jim into the world, Jim realized that there needed to be some healing between the staff and the elders. Yeah. Uh, so he asked me if I could come back in. I had a decent relationship with the staff. And so I said, well, let me pray about it. Lo and behold, God kind of urged my heart towards that direction. So I ended up being an elder. But, yeah, okay, as an elder. Yeah. But at first you said no, right? Yeah. I always say no. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Unless it's my wife. Um, <laughs> so, yep, said no. And then again, praying through that, I felt God really uh, had kind of hurt pursued me to, to step in back into that that role as an elder. Uh, and then uh, Jim began to pursue me uh, in light of uh, just transitions. Uh, a lot of staff were moving in and out of positions uh, to come in here and, and be on staff. And we had uh, done ministry bivocationally for, for several seasons. And at one point... We meaning you and Diana. Correct. Wife. Correct. Yeah. Ended up uh, doing a stint in California full-time and came back with our tails between our legs saying we'll never ever do full-time ministry again. Uh, love Jesus, struggle with the church, uh, and ended up feeling like uh, God had called us into the just the marketplace. So uh, in the mix of that, Jim began to pursue me and really felt like I would be a good fit for staff. And I said, absolutely not. It's not my heart. I feel like I've got a great ministry outside the walls of this place. Uh, you know, I, I can do lay leadership, uh, but don't want to be a part of this place. And you were actively involved at Flatirons at this time, right? Uh, correct. As far as actively involved, uh, just a part of lay leadership. So right. as an elder, I uh, felt like we had some um, ability to speak into things. Uh, the former pastor, Gill, had really blown his world up. And so there was a, a season of transition that we had stepped back. I was pretty tired and, and, and exhausted from trying to, to walk through the season with Gill and just felt like we just needed to, to right. heal up on the sides. Okay. So again, Jim pursuing us. Jim's always, a, uh, as everybody knows, a hard sell. <laughs> uh, he he can really push uh, every envelope possible. So one night, after I'd told him no several times, uh, I'm sitting around the dinner table. It's probably about 8 o'clock. It's, uh, it's getting dark. And so uh, we're sitting around as a family eating dinner. Uh, it was late dinner. I get a call on my cell phone, and it's an unknown number. And so uh, at that point, Keaton's a little younger. He likes to grab the phone, answer the phone. This is your son, Keaton. Correct. How old is Keaton now? Keaton's probably, at that point, eight, uh, maybe even younger, six. So uh, I can kind of hear him interacting with whoever is on the other uh, end of the line. And uh, he's got a puzzled look on his face. And I'm thinking, what's what's going on? He goes, Dad, God's on the line. And I'm thinking, what (laughs) are you talking about? Yeah, he he says it's, it's God, and he wants to speak to you. Uh, and he says, go look out your front door. So I'm thinking, what are you talking about, son? So grab the phone from him. Uh, and on the other line, I hear this, uh, this is God speaking. You need to go look out your front door. Keaton can overhear all of this. And so he's running up to the front, opens the door, and he screams back, Dad! Lo and behold, Jim Bergen uh, decided to put a bush on fire on my porch. As I look out on the other end of the line, he says, this is God speaking. You have to work at Flatirons. <laughs> so, And that's what did it. No. <laughs> 
<laughs> no. So again, I told him no. Yeah. Uh, and then through that summer, um, God did a really uh, amazing work on my heart. Uh, things were going well at my job. It wasn't as if I was needing something different, uh, but really felt God was was pressing me to come and step into that role. And that now was nine years ago. Yeah. So give me a brief kind of history about you growing up. Did you grow up in church? Is church just part of your world or... Where, where did all that fall into place for you? Yeah, mom, mom would drag us to church. Uh, dad never went. In fact, uh, dad didn't know Jesus till uh, later on uh, in my life. Uh, but mom would drag the kids, kicking and screaming, had two older brothers. And uh, until probably eighth grade, uh, she would uh, bend our ear and, and annoy us enough that we would end up at church. But in eighth grade, went, went through the typical church split, and it gave us an opportunity to completely tap out. Now, back then, certainly uh, felt like God had grabbed my heart. You know, as a kid, you commit your, your heart to Christ. But, you know, living two lifestyles was, was certainly something that I did throughout high school and in the first year of college. Okay. And then, so my first face-to-face interaction with you uh, came when I came up here six years ago to interview. Yeah, we kissed. <laughs> I don't remember that. Mm. I've erased I do. that. <laughs> um, but you, we had talked on the phone a couple of times. Um, I knew your face from the webpage. Uh, but then Jim uh, picked me up from the airport, drove me to the church. We, I mean, I literally walked in the first time I walk into the old Flatirons across the street and the feed store. Uh, I, Jim goes, hey, Paul. And you're like, hey. And I turn and there's this, you know. Ugly. This, no, this tall guy. Neanderthalic. Who, who was bald, shaved head like everybody else that seems on staff. Hairy back. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Knuckles dragging. Yeah. But this guy was stacking chairs. And, and, you know, I'm looking around. There's all this activity because it's, it's Good Friday. There's a Good Friday service. And you, as executive pastor, were stacking chairs. And that said volumes to me. At first, it was like, oh, there, there's a guy named Paul. I looked, wait, that's Paul from the website. This is the executive pastor. And that said a lot to me. And I have a, I have a feeling, but you, you answer this for me. If Jim Bergen were to walk in your office tomorrow and say, Paul, we're done, you know, it's time to, to move on, I still have a strong feeling that you are still going to be serving here. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, kind of share a little bit of what you do right now, aside from your job. Forget the job. What do you do, Paul Brunner, serving Jesus at, at this church called Flatirons? So outside my job, I think my job encompasses everything. So that's, I need a clarity on that question. Well, I'm going straight to this. You're part of the parking crew. You work traffic every other weekend here. Is it every other? Or is it every it's every week? other weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the, and the heart behind that is if if I and Jim or the lead team asks people to serve, and everybody has a nine to five uh, job during the week, and then we ask these people to give their lives to this place, I too should do the same thing. So there's a heart for me to, to it always goes back to the typical comments of, of, of being a good leader. Uh, you you want to be, you know, the first to be out there and, and leading as, as an example. So again, it's a heart to serve. Um, and I know that's what we're discussing in regards to this, but um, it also is a team that I lead. I lead, you know, I oversee guest services, I oversee kids ministry, and then for a long season was was doing on the opposite weeks, uh, serving in the third, fourth, fifth grade room as a teacher and just helping out in there. 
Yeah, so you have this great view of every piece and part of Flatirons. Um, and we can easily see how the church benefits from people serving, but can you kind of speak to the benefit that happens for the people that do serve, that you, some of the stories you hear. Sure. Uh, with, and I'll use the traffic, um, team as a, as a particular story. Uh, anytime that you have opportunity to serve alongside others, you build relationships. And I think one of the, the key things that we have really encouraged people to do when they serve around here is, is step into those relationships, step into that community. And in the mix of our traffic team, I've rallied and roped in um, our men's group. So we have a Wednesday morning men's group. It's been around for probably now uh, 11, 12 years. And, and probably a third of those guys come uh, with uh, me on that weekend and serve. In between services, we have a great opportunity to sit around tables, talk about life, interact with one another, and then include others on the traffic team in the midst of those conversations. And so, uh, lo and behold, there are a lot of other guys on the traffic team that aren't part of that Wednesday morning group that now have community within those guys. Yeah. So serving here at Flatirons, uh, there's some real visible pieces that people can see, the people passing out the programs. I almost called them bulletins mm. as they walk into the sanctuary. From the foyer? <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. It, the, the greeters, parking team. Correct. There's some real visible. What are some other pieces that you can think of the way uh, as far as serving around here that some people don't really think about? The unsung heroes in my mind are the facility folks, the folks that come in uh, after service uh, that are picking up trash, cleaning toilets, wiping down urinals, uh, picking, you know, pubic hair out of the traps and the urinals, <laughs> uh, things like that. Uh, those are the unsung heroes. And that's, that's un- glamorous uh, world of serving. Yeah. And it's a, it's a thing that I always am so grateful for those folks. In fact, on uh, Christmas Eve, uh, well, Christmas Eve services or Christmas services, whatever you want to call them, uh, Beth is part of the facilities team. She had a family issue that she had to bolt out of here. And so uh, some of the staff and, and myself decided we'll help clean bathrooms and talk about a miserable job. Yeah. And every week that's getting done. And done well. And, and the folks that do those, uh, those type of jobs never get, in my mind, thanked enough. Yeah. Yeah. Church here at Flatirons looks different than in the, most churches across the country and around the world. When I think of church from Bible times, you know, when the church was first established, it looks so much different. This is so different than back then. But there's still some similarities um, can you speak to some of those, like the things that are always the same in church that need to be done? That The similarities are, are people are people. People are broken people, and you see the same brokenness that one would see throughout history. Uh, that, that, you know, folks that have come through our doors here have the same struggles, same issues, uh, same challenges. Um, from a serving standpoint, uh, it's still all the same. Uh, and, and one of the things, and, and I... After you'd asked me to do this, it made me ponder, um, especially from the Bible, what are some of the, the key verses that point to uh, the heart of serving? And so, trying to be spiritual, which I'm typically not, uh, I dug up a couple scriptures that I just think uh, reflect the heart of God mm. towards us. And, and the key one for me uh, comes out of Philippians 2. It's Philippians 2, uh, 3, and it says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used in his own advantage. 
Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Look at you getting Look all spiritual. Look at that, I tell ya. <laughs> Jim Bergen's apprentice. <laughs> yeah, what are you going to be on stage? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> we wouldn't have issue with parking if that was the case. <laughs> The city of Lafayette might love you then. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, that's good. So, but um, again, this place is so different because what are we averaging now? No, uh, seventeen, eighteen thousand yeah, on a weekend typically. here, in Lafayette. Yep. You know what, what? You know, a couple thousand up in up in west, and then you know, hundreds and hundreds down in Paramount. Now, the city of Denver, you know, kind of is used to that. You know. People traveling in and out, but this place gets the, Lafayette gets turned upside down. I remember you saying this before that we're like this giant that steps into everyone's living room each weekend, and we we just can't help but we step on toes. Eight hundred pound gorilla. That's right. Um, and so much of the serving that gets done here revolves around making that you know expediting that right um, and being. Being good neighbors, trying to be good neighbors. So, I'll share some stories you see in the parking world. I want to say, share some what what usually happens on a typical weekend. Helping people get in and out of this place without disrupting the city of Lafayette too much. Sure, um, getting people in and out of here. Uh, you know, overall, it's a challenge. Obviously, when you when you have. That many people, it's like doing a Rockies game every weekend. And so in light of that, um, and how can we uh, reflect, uh, as corny as it sounds, the love of Jesus back to them. Mm -hmm. So rather than give them the middle finger or, you know, pound on their window, we just make funny snide remarks back to them. (laughs) So That That they can't hear through their windshield. (laughs) Right, right. So, yeah. Here's what I would suggest. If, If by chance you're a type A male that that loves to give direction and you get your panties in a wad if somebody doesn't listen to you don't be on the the parking team because really it's a suggestion of where you should park because there are people out there that will look at you and decide nope i'm not going to listen to you at all i'm going to drive right by you or i'm going to park where i want to park right and we're there to greet people we're there to help people uh, but it is a phenomenal opportunity to be the first face that people see here at Flatirons, and it's a in my mind it's a kick in the pants it's a fun place to serve yeah hey um you know as far as this serving and giftedness thing you know uh, can you kind of talk about that i mean is there a correlation between giftedness and service I don't know if there's a correlation. There's certainly, you talk about love languages and acts of service is one of those keys that they talk about as as far as a love language goes. But um, down to the core of serving, it, it, I always think it comes to the, the idea of self versus selflessness, uh, selfishness versus selflessness. And it goes back to the scripture that I read, that if out of a heart of wanting to to model what Christ provided for us, what Jesus provided for us as an example, hey, it's getting out of our own selfish mindset, our own pride, and serving and, and, and stepping into that role and, and not considering, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm either above that or, um, you know, I, that's something that somebody else can do. It all comes down to being selfless. Yeah. And that's a, it's a battle, right? We all struggle with those issues. And, and one of the things that I, I love, again, looking back at, uh, at uh, the disciples, the, the best part and the best stories of the disciples is anytime that they, they seek to be, um, 
better than they are, or this idea that who's going to be first, who's going to you know be at the right hand of, of Jesus when right. he gets to to his kingdom or when he's at his kingdom. And, and it's hilarious to see how they battle and fight one another and, and only to have Jesus look back at them and say, hey, the first will be last and the last will be first. And right. so um, we will always in our own hearts because of our sin nature battle that, yeah. battle that selfishness. And so how do we step into a, a world of being selfless? Yeah. So for the guy right now driving to work, you know, running on the tw- treadmill, whatever that is, who's listening to this podcast. All three of them? All three of them. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's horrible. Sorry, and, guys, but. and that's us. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so for us. <laughs> for those guys listening to this, what are some what are some ways, if they're not serving, that you can think of like, what are some ways they can get plugged in here? Uh, well, let's take a step back. And, and, and again, one of the things that I would always challenge men in doing, uh, being single men, uh, husbands, um, you know, even fathers, ugh, man, it starts at home, right? Starts starts at your work, starts at the, the job. And if we can reflect um, being servants to those around us, it's, it's probably one of the greatest testimonies um, that we can have in the midst of the marketplace or at home to our wives. And again, I... I know that when you get home from a long day's work, the last thing you want to do is serve your family. But truth be told, the, the best thing you can do for your family, your wife, your kids, how can you love them well is, is through the acts of service. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then the next step would be around here. What can you do around here? Again, this place, as Jim would say, or Scott would say, doesn't run on, on Jesus' fairy dust. It runs on the hearts and souls of people serving. Yeah. You mentioned facilities. And, and and you know that's that's true. I mean, everything needs to get cleaned up. We've only yep. got a we only got a couple of people on staff here that actually do that as a job, and most of that is overseeing volunteers. Right. You know, because uh, every we 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 can't run. What would you say? How many volunteers do we have here? Each well, week I know with church? kids, we push close to in the need of each service. Uh, by the end of the weekend, we have over five hundred uh, men and women and kids that serve in kids ministry. So, and I would say guest services reflects that same thing with facilities to boot. But we also have the tech teams. We also have the production side of things. There's so many opportunities here. And with guest services, some of those bars are pretty low to serve. If you're going to be a greeter, boy, you got to just greet at the, the front end of the service and at the end of the service. So, uh, And it's every other week. So if you think about it, it's it's 26 weeks in a year that you have to commit to serve around here. Right. Pretty low bar. Yeah. Hey, let, let me back up, kind of go back up to the 16,000-foot view of this. And talk about Jesus, one of the greatest acts of service that Jesus did on the night that he was betrayed and, you know, at, at the Last Supper, he washes the disciples' feet. And we don't have, I mean, we all wear shoes, we, we drive and walk on paved, you know, ground. So that's not part of our culture. But what would you say, is there an equivalent to that? Man, I would say, again, wiping down urinals urinals and toilets again it goes back to the 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 facilities team some of the stuff they do it's just you you, you want to do it with your mouth closed because sometimes you get you know some some wash back <laughs> off the urinal and you're thinking that just went into my mouth oh my gosh yeah those urinal cakes aren't there for flavor that's for sure <laughs> yeah so that's it. Wiping down your well. If you, yeah. if you try to equate washing feet to something around here, again, knowing what they walked through back then, it's pretty nasty stuff. So I would, 
That's that's my be- best yeah. ability to to make something equal. Hey, backing up to your your growing up, your mom taking you to church and everything. Um, did is your mom a, a servant at heart? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and that was reflected. Even my dad was, even though he didn't know Christ, he had so many so many Christ like tendencies and behaviors and character traits that you know when he did come uh, to know Jesus, it. <clears throat> Boy, you know, he was a man that, that reflected Jesus, just didn't know the Savior. Yeah, yeah. And then you guys were, were you forced, uh, you and your brothers kind of forced? Absolutely. Yeah. Farm life. So, yeah, it, yeah the, even uh, as a kid, one of the things that I would get frustrated looking back at, uh, it wasn't that big a deal. But uh, anytime somebody would come and spend the night, which was far and few between, my dad would get us up Saturday morning. If he, you know, this friend came over Friday night, Saturday morning at 6. Okay, boys, you got to get out there. There's stuff to do. Really? And then, Yeah, and my friends would look across and be like, what did I get myself into? <laughs> yeah. I always wondered if my dad had kids for, for slave labor. Yeah. How many of those guys are you still friends with? Uh, none. <laughs> yeah, actually, no, I still have contact with all of them. Yeah, yeah. So work ethic, huge, yeah. huge part of your... Yeah, in fact, as, as you and I know, Dan, it's part of our uh, core DNA, but some of that time is a challenge, too, because sometimes that's who we are. Right. And, and as men, uh, we call it our shadow. It can be our shadow, too. So yeah. our self-worth is based upon our work ethic, and sometimes that's not good. Yeah. So what's the biggest struggle... Uh, that you see as executive pastor here, getting people to serve. Is it a struggle? or? or, or? Oh, I, again, I, I think it boils back down to the core of what we've discussed, and that's um, where's your heart? Uh, is your heart here and, and willing to give up your own desires for, for others? And again, it goes back to the selflessness uh, mindset that Christ demonstrated so well for us. Uh, Again, for men, if they if they think through their lives and prior to prioritize their lives, how often are they doing their own thing, going out golfing each weekend? And not that that's wrong, but uh, again, as they reflect back on their week or their month, how much of it was serving themselves or doing what they wanted to do versus stepping out and, and setting others before you, yeah. making others a priority. And that's part of what we want to do around here. Serving others is and, and bringing people through these doors allows people to hear uh, the amazing, awesome message of Christ. Right. And this place, again, so different than most churches. Uh, and I'm going to say the, the primary reason is just size. Um, it's so easy to slide in here for a service and slide out um, and maybe not even interact with anyone, let alone feel that conviction. Um, you know, I, the church you grew up in, what was it like? What Small church, uh, typical, you know, church of 120, 130 folks. Everybody knew one another. Um, but again, as I reflect back, even in those environments, you, you had the kind of the 80-20 rule. 20% of the people served 80% of the people that came through the doors. And I think we see that here too. Yeah, yeah. I uh, Yeah, the guilt factor is missing. Here, uh, yeah. Think? Yeah. I mean, you don't want to out of guilt serve. That's the 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 last thing we ever ask mm-hmm. of people to do. But there is a side of me that says, "Hey, you know, consider um, your world and uh, carve out." As I said, twenty six hours in a year. You know, if you're serving, especially in, in in light of like guest services or something like that, where the bar is relatively low for commitment, it's only twenty six you know hours in a whole year. Yeah. You know, step up and serve. We need you. Right. And that's such an integral, integral piece here. Um, that first face that you see 
Um, one of the things that I hear over and over again is just how this big place feels so small. Yep. And so much of it revolves around guest services. Absolutely. You know, and, and all the stuff that facilitating the thousands of people that come in here each weekend and then, yep. and then head out. Yep. Yeah. So as we kind of wrap up here, um, looking at, at, at serving Jesus in your church, what would you say has been the biggest benefit for you, Paul Bruner? Uh, and your family in this serving Jesus in the church. Mm-hmm. Um, the biggest benefit, again, as as we talked earlier, is is the community piece. Again, we know people through serving. Um, if we didn't serve, just came through the doors, we would never be a part of this church. So our opportunity, be it kids ministries, facilities, uh, production, any of those opportunities, allow you to meet people, learn names, and build community, especially in a church this size. Yeah. What's your What's your favorite um, like? nasty story that you've heard around around here now when you say nasty will you well, I just say that? like yeah like whatever like you were talking about you know washing out the urinals and getting back washing your mouth oh. any like the one of the best stories i have and it, and it goes with uh andy weineman andy, andy weineman um you know oversaw local ministry for a long season of time and now he's uh overseeing thrive but andy uh, on a christmas eve service or christmas service um, came running to me. Now, uh, to give you a, a little bit of the, the backstory, our, when we were in the other facility across the street, our lines would constantly back up on our biggest services, being Easter weekend or Christmas weekend. And, and, and long story short is there was a, a clog in one of our lines that was caused by the landlord of all things, but it would cause us to constantly have backups when we had everybody in there. So the toilets would overflow on Christmas or Easter. Mm. So right before that Christmas, we had the lines cut out and replaced. And so we shouldn't have had any issues. Well, Andy comes running to me in the middle of one of the services said, Paul, there's a huge backup. There's a gigantic backup in the bathroom. And he was kind of panicked and, and Hey, you got to come out fast. And so I'm thinking, no, you got to be kidding me. So, uh, he grabs me and we run into the men's bathroom and, and he goes, it's in that last stall. It's, it's just, Oh man. And so I crack open the door and look in the last stall in the largest turd I have ever seen was sitting in the toilet and he could not stop laughing. And the irony of the story is there was no toilet paper in there. Somebody just <laughs> dropped that load and there was nothing else there. It went and worshiped Jesus. Yeah, I still have the picture. I'll send it out. <laughs> we'll attach it to me. Yeah, it'd be great. <laughs> okay, now uh, most heartfelt story that you can think oh, of. Oh, Dan, when I first saw you coming across the lobby... <laughs> Heartfelt. Um, You know, again, uh, I I don't have a specific that comes to mind other than uh, my heart is always uh, amazed to hear the stories of people that walk through the store that could, you know, hardly bring themselves to get up that morning, uh, crack open the door, get into their car and drive up here. And lo and behold, God rocks their world. And those stories, the thing that I enjoy about the position that I sit in is I hear those stories all the time still. Right. And that's how I know we're making kingdom impact in the world that we call flat irons. Yeah. People's stories of God's redemption in a really broken life. Yeah. I, uh, I love Jim usually gives this message once a year. You know, I always call it the, you know, if, if you're not serving, leave. We need your seat. You know, that message. Yeah. Um, but he always kind of, he does a great job of laying out that there's this person who is coming this weekend, who someone who loves them has been praying for them, 
for months, if not years and years, and they finally agreed, I'm going to go. And then all of a sudden their prayer changes. It, right. it goes to, please, flatirons, don't suck. Right. Um, and that prayer, you know, that or that mindset that shifts to, please, don't, you know, it revolves around, let them find a good parking space. Yep. You know? Let their kids get into kids' ministry. Right. Let's and, not have the room shut down. And none of those, none of those prayers get answered without people. Absolutely. Serve. Yeah. In fact, one of the interesting, most recent stories of this past weekend, uh, it's, it's a sad story, but it's also an intriguing story in the sense that um, I get a call. Uh, I was just in the lobby and one of the gals in, in kids ministry uh, was in need because one of the kids here in Lafayette, nine-year-old kid had, uh, had more or less uh, left home and, and wanted to come to church and came to church by himself without a parent, went wow. to the, the, the kid kiosk, printed out his name, got the parent sticker and his sticker and walked over to kids ministry and checked himself in. And so uh, as the leader saw the ticket come through, he sees this kid uh, with a parent ticket. And he's like, where's your mom? He's like, uh, she's not here. And then quickly, I think he understood that, uh-oh, uh, I, I blew my cover, right. stuck that parent t- sticker in his pocket. And then we had to deal with the circumstances. But it just amazes me that this kid rode his bike down here, nine, it's kind of scary to think at that age, but came to to this place because this was his refuge. I love this place called Flatirons. And I love that man, Paul Bruner. And I love that he's running alongside with Jim Bergen and the rest of the lead team to where God is leading us all in this church community. Church isn't a building, it's people. And Jesus' friend and follower, Peter, writes this in 1 Peter 4.10. He writes, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. And Jesus' half-brother James tells us in James 1.27, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after widows and orphans in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. I think a lot of churches have been polluted by the world. Because when a lot of people hear the word church, they think of mean-spirited religious people. But that's not what God wants. God created us to live in community and as his church, as his church and his people. He says our religion should be pure and faultless and that we should be taking care of people who can't take care of themselves while also taking care of each other, serving each other. In another couple of weeks, all the campuses at Flatirons are going to be filled with people. People looking for hope and help and a little bit of grace. What about you? What are your church plans for Christmas? If that's what you're looking for, a little hope, help, and grace, come and see us at Flatirons. If you already attend, I can't think of a better way, time, or place than Christmas around here to serve. We've got a downloadable PDF attached to this podcast with a few questions and some of the Bible verses to help with the discussion about serving Jesus at church. Next week, our buddy Dave Runyon joins us to take a look at serving Jesus in our communities. And I lived most of my life like it was. Like, I'm just going to do all this other stuff over here and be really busy. And so then, like, somehow, like, little magic fairy dust gets sprinkled on my neighborhood and, like, Jesus wasn't talking about those people. And I just think there's great power in saying, what if... What if Jesus meant your actual neighbors, too? Now, Cole and I have some Christmas shopping to do, so until next time, this is Dan Foote for Wake Up Call, the 
Flatirons Podcast. Perfect.